Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible <laughs> Bistro. I'm Ryan. I'm Brian. And this is the <laughs> Bible Bistro podcast, all about the Bible, <laughs> theology, and all things related to the Christian faith or life, whatever one you want to say. I it just is. thought I'd I just thought I'd help you help you uh, hold that out. For I know. Me. Well, it's our thing. It's our thing. Well, we're back. It is the final episode. For 2023 and oh, the I final you ever. I thought you were making no, an no. <laughs> I've had enough of Brian. Finally, no, this is it. no, no, no. Okay. The final episode right. of 2023, wrapping up Advent, and the final episode of yeah. season three. Yeah. We were just looking wrapping at this is three. episode 138. 138. Wow, we've really talked a, a lot. Been pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a couple, uh, maybe two hands. We got some good ones on there. Uh, uh, but yeah. exciting. Or ex- yeah. I, I mean, I'm loving the Advent series, but yeah. I'm, uh, as we've talked about, a sabbatical slash little break here we're going to have in January. <laughs> there's plenty. I'm not, I'm sure all of you have not caught up and listened to all of them in the back catalog, yeah. but uh, go back and listen through. We've got an Ephesian series. We've got. Uh, Daniel. Daniel series, the ever, Daniel. ever popular Daniel, uh, especially if there's another war, come back and take a listen to that <laughs> that we get into. Um, just kidding. Uh, so no, there's plenty there for, for you to go back to, but I'm excited. We're going to wrap up Advent here. Yeah. We've, had, we've been going through Advent, uh, and through Isaiah 63. It's been a, um, good study so far. And we're, we're wrapping this up with Advent week four of love. Is right. that right? Yeah, it is. We've been we've been going through Isaiah. You said Isaiah sixty three. Today we are looking at Isaiah sixty three, but we've been oh, using different 61. passages. Yeah, different passages in the book of Isaiah. Well, so yeah, I'm love, just I'm just doing what I do well, and that's say things wrong. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, so we talked about you know kind of the theme uh, for this year is uh, the light has shined in the darkness and. So we talked about peace in the time of warfare, which is kind of what made me think in those in those terms. We've talked about hope in the midst of hopelessness and a time of hopelessness. We've talked about joy in a time of sorrow, and then today we're going to talk about love in a time of hatred. Um, and you know, you think about the the various ways that we see uh, division and we see um, animosity toward other people, uh, whether they're they're different than we are or whether they have a different point of view than, than they, we do. Or it's just, I was actually, for a different uh, thing I was doing this last week, Ryan, I was, it was kind of depressing. I actually uh, didn't end up using any of these studies, but there are all these studies that have been done that show during the holidays, there's more family conflict than there is any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it makes sense. You're put, you know, you're thrown together into kind of this <laughs> unusual situation. And, and, uh, anyway, but, uh, yeah, on that happy note. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the fourth week of Advent, we're talking about love and uh, kind of leading up to thinking about the birth of Jesus. Um, so Isaiah 63, verse 7. Go ahead and read that for me, if you would, Ryan, just yeah. to, to begin this paragraph. Yeah, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. Okay, the word kindness there that you heard at the very end, and you also heard in the first line. Do you see that word kindness occurs twice in this verse 7? It's a very important Hebrew word that we see throughout the Old Testament, and it's particularly important because it talks about the character of God. It's used frequently to talk about who He is. And the word is chesed, 
the Hebrew word is chesed. Um, oh, ha- again, one more time. Chesed. There we go. It's it's a um, you know the 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 thing about this this Hebrew word is that it's very difficult to summarize in a single English word. Um, but I'm going to tell you one of the ways that we see it translated quite frequently is love. Here, it's translated kindness or kindnesses in the plural uh, that we see it. But the kind of the most common definition that I've seen, and again, this is a, this is not just a single word. It's very difficult to what they call gloss. You know, just put a, a word on there. Um, the the way I fe- see it translated most commonly is something to do with God's steadfast covenant love. Hmm. steadfast covenant love. So it has to do with with the idea of God's love toward his people. It has to do with the idea of his covenant. In other words, his promise to himself. So there's an idea. It sometimes is used clearly in a context where you see the idea of obligation. But the interesting thing for God, it's like, <laughs> who does God owe anything, right? It, it, it's it's really that kind of that whole idea that he is he he. There was none other. There's none higher for him to swear by. So he swore by himself. Mm-hmm. So he made this covenant, and so in keeping with his nature, which is which is absolutely faithful, right? In keeping with his nature, he is going to be true to his promise. And we'll see see that a little bit later later on. So it's that idea. And there's other words that are used. Uh, I wrote down some of the words. Goodness is sometimes used. Mm. Zeal is good. Like when we talk talks about the zeal of the Lord Almighty will will accomplish this. It has to do with this idea because of God's love and because of His covenant love. Particularly, He is going to accomplish these things. Uh, obligation. I've already mentioned. Then there's that other word at the very end. I know we've talked about this one word, chesed, again. Just read verse 7 again. Notice kindness. And I want you to also notice this word in the last line, compassion. So go back and read just all verse 7 again. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. So the idea of compassion and kindness together. Compassion is sometimes translated as this word. It's rachamim. Uh, is sometimes translated as love as well. It's 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 related to that word in the in the New Testament. All Greek students love to think about, which is the idea of bowels. Uh, in other words, mm-hmm. something you feel in your gut, right? It's splagna. Your splagna is the Greek word, but this is the word rakamim, which has to do with this idea of a compassion. Uh, uh, pity is sometimes used to translate it. Love, uh, but but that idea. So we have this whole idea. Again, the word love doesn't really occur there, but we have this idea of love, God's love expressed in a couple of ways. We're going to see the word love used here as well. But but this idea that God acts out of love on behalf of his people. And that particularly then is what the prophet is talking about during this whole section. What What is love? First of all, what does it mean to love? And specifically, what is God's love for his people? And the prophet is going to answer those questions by looking at the past and saying, this is the way that God has acted on behalf of his people. And we can see his love in this way. Uh, God's love can be described as acting on our behalf for our good. Or if you want to put it in Old Testament context, acting on behalf of his people for their good. That That's mm-hmm. what we could say, we could describe God's God's love. Not because of our worthiness. 
right? Not because we deserve his acting in this way, but really because of the promise that he made in the covenant. And and mm-hmm. he's not going to be untrue to his promise because of him. <laughs> because, because of his, of his compassion and kindnesses. It, it, it's because of who he is that he's acting in this way, not because of our faithfulness, mm-hmm. uh, because of his faithfulness. So we... You know, of course, in Advent, we anticipate the coming of the Messiah, both his first coming and also his second coming. We, th- we think about um, his, his return, and we are reminded in this of God's action uh, on behalf of his people by which he keeps this promise. So I would say that, that the coming of the Messiah, the first coming of the Messiah, was a part of God's covenant promise from the very beginning. When he said to Abraham, uh, your offspring is going to be a blessing to all people on the face of the earth, then that is uh, that is a way that we see the Messiah coming, Jesus coming, the Son of God coming uh, into the world is a fulfillment of that, of that covenant of love, the covenant where he's acting on behalf of his people. And then the second coming of Christ, also we look forward to him coming and bringing to fulfillment the, the beginning of the kingdom, what he has promised, we're going to find that being brought to fulfillment. Um, so that's how it relates to this season, this idea of God's love uh, in, in the coming of Jesus, both the first and second coming, I would say. Okay. Anything anything that I was unclear? I, no, there I, I mean, I think that's always, we we have to look back. You know what I mean? Like yeah, looking sure. back to see how, how, how he has been... Um, faithful it's not just it's not just oh just i promise it's like this i have been faithful through all this like we can look back and see that his faithfulness and his compassion and his love has been consistent through this and we have have no reason to doubt him now so that's so this is what the prophet's going to tell the people to do remember his love be reminded of his love and uh in verse eight it begins with remembering his covenant the covenant himself so go ahead and and read uh verse verse eight Yeah. He said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. So this idea is is that God is taking his people, and here we're thinking about the nation of Israel as as his own people, and they become his children. Now, there's an irony here, though, as well. Notice it says that he is expecting them to also be true to him. Yeah. You got a smile on your face. (laughs) Uh, I don't think that uh, didn't work. so think about this from the prophet's perspective, from the pro, you know, from the time of the prophet Isaiah, he's looking back and saying, "Remember, God said, oh, 'Oh, I'm going to take this people to myself because they're going to be they're my they're my children. They're going to be true to me. They're going to be faithful to me as well.'" And so there's an irony here that the reader's in on, right? There, the original listener yeah. is in on this. It's like, uh, like you said, kind of. Uh, not so much, right? It didn't, didn't work Surely out they that are going to be true to me. You know, there's a little bit of, like, you could read Isaiah's body language during this time, like, <laughs> like he's looking at you out of the corner of his eye. So, so yeah, and I think that's an intentional irony. In fact, we're going to see it a little bit later. It, it definitely is. Uh, God is expecting them to be faithful to him or true to him, of course, but from the perspective of Isaiah and the listener, and of course, from our perspective as well, we know that that was an unfounded wish, that what God expected to happen did not happen. And I shouldn't say that he expected it. It's not like God was fooled somehow mm-hmm. by the people or he didn't know what was going to happen. But but it's that idea of kind of 
okay, if you're going to be my children and I'm going to be your father, then this is the way I would expect you to return the love. The covenant love that I'm showing you mm-hmm. should be uh, reciprocated to me is, is the idea. Now, it says there, notice the word Savior, which I find really interesting because God is God is referred to as Savior uh, a few times in Scripture. God the Father, of course, Jesus is often referred to as, as Savior. And here, the idea is, I think, going back to the Exodus uh, it, it's like we saw a couple of weeks back. It, it, he's looking back at the Exodus, which I would say is the greatest redemptive act of God in the Old Testament. So he's saying that they be, he, God became their savior when he brought them out of Egyptian captivity. And of course, that becomes the, the model, if you will, or the type. It would be a, a, another way to say it, but the model for the greatest redemptive activity of all time that God had, which was the, the coming of Jesus and his, his uh, uh, you know, being our savior, not from just physical captivity, but from the spiritual captivity of the brokenness of our, of our sin and the brokenness of ourselves. So he, God became their savior. And again, it's kind of uh, foreshadowing what we're thinking about in this season. Go ahead with verse nine, then as he, again, they're, they're thinking about these things. In all their distress, he too was distressed and the angel of his presence saved them and his love and mercy. He redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Days of old here, again, I think refer back to that. It, it could be the whole whole idea of God has always done this. But I think he specifically has in mind this idea of the Exodus. And we're going to see a couple of these images here. One, let me talk about this one first, <clears throat> the angel of the presence. Uh, so that this is the idea. So angels are those who are, act on, on God's behalf. They're messengers on God's behalf. And the angel of his presence, we could say, is kind of the physical manifestation of the presence of God among his people. Uh, you know, so God is with them. And in the Exodus, the way that we see the angel, the presence probably depicted would be in this idea of the, the pillar of fire uh, at night, the pillar of smoke by day. In other words, they could physically see the presence of God. Uh, and it said, you know, the angel of the Lord or, or this angel is manifesting God's presence to his people. Uh, the other thing then is that God, <clears throat> I love this because God demonstrates his love to his people. <clears throat> Excuse me. And by the way, there'll be a little bit of different, if you have an older translation, this will be translated a little bit differently. There's some really difficult uh, language here, but I think the NIV has it right here. You'll see some things that are that are really different, and I think it's because of, uh, of an understanding uh, of some of the, there's some textual issues and some grammatical issues here, but we won't we won't take the time to go into those for this purpose. But just know, okay. if if you're reading another translation or especially an older translation, you're going to see something different here. But if you notice the first part of what it says, it says that God, um, when He saw His people afflicted, He was afflicted too. Is that is that more or less? Am I paraphrasing that correctly? I don't have it open in front of me. And and all their distress, he too was distressed. Distressed, yeah. Affliction is another word that's sometimes translated here. So in all their distress, he true too was distressed. So I love that image because in his love, when he saw his people in distress, it distressed him as well. So we're thinking again about the the captivity. And of course, from their perspective, right, they're crying out going, God, have you forgotten your covenant? 
you know, when are you going to remember? When are you going to act on your covenant uh, and and take us back to the land that you promised our ancestors? Um, Joseph talked about that before he went down into the land of Egypt. Uh, well, I should say before he went down when he when he returned to the land of Egypt. Uh, we see, you know, Joshua or see not Joshua, um, Isaac. Uh, no, <laughs> Jacob. Sorry. Jacob saying this, I, I completely lost there for a minute. Jacob saying this at the end of his life, that we know God is going to take us up out of this place again. And so they're waiting for God to act in that way. But I love this image that even in their distress, he too was distressed. And, and you think about love is like that, right? Love, love expresses itself in that way. When you have someone you love, and of course, there's you know I'm going to get into this this difficulty too. When you see someone you love who is experiencing distress, particularly when you can't do anything to help, right? Mm-hmm. Then then that cuts you, right? That that's a that's a distress to you as well. You don't want to see. Well, let's let's keep using this image of father and 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 children. Uh, if you're a parent, you don't want to see your children suffer. Right, you, you don't want to see them in distress, and when you see them in distress, it bothers you as well. I'll just use this this illustration. My wife's a nurse, you know, trained as a nurse, and um, she's never had trouble with, you know, when somebody is in an accident or you see blood or whatever. You know, she's she's very calm and collected as you would expect for somebody in in her position. But when one of our kids got hurt. <laughs> It's a different situation. Just it's because of the relationship that you have with them, right? Uh, and, and the kind of pain and distress that they're experiencing, you experience as well. And so, go ahead. Yeah, this is, uh, and this may be totally wrong, but is do you think there's parallel here to, you know, when Jesus in, has encounter with Saul? He says, why are you persecuting me? me? Yeah, right. So he sees the persecution of the church and he relates to it. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. I think I think the whole, that's this is exactly, you're going exactly where I, where I was going with this. So think about this, presence, God's presence in the midst of his people, mm-hmm. and this idea of him um, experiencing their distress in the same way that, that they were distressed. And that's, again, I think pointing toward what we celebrate in this season is God, you know, Eman- Jesus is Emmanuel, right? He is God with us, God in our midst. And he came and he's experienced life, you know, the incarnation as he experiences our heartaches, he experiences our, our suffering in the same way that we do. Uh, this is, of course, Hebrews 4, right, where it says that he was tempted in every way we are yet without sin. Uh, or, or chapter 2, it pleased God uh, to make them, uh, to make their Savior like them in every way, right, so that, that, that he could know uh, with certainty um, the things that we suffer. Uh, we see it in, you know, Isaiah 53 is quoted frequently in the New Testament. And Isaiah 53 is surely he has borne our infirmities, right? He's taken up our diseases is one of the ways it's translated in Matthew 8. Um, you know, he, he's he's taken upon himself the things that afflict us. Uh, and so so you see what I'm saying is is this is this is God demonstrating as John would say, and later we're going to see Paul says the same thing. And John would say this in first John. Uh, God is demonstrating his love for us in in his son Jesus, right? He's he's. This is a way that he's showing us his presence, 
but also he's showing us that he is he he understands our afflictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, think about Jesus standing at the at the graveside of Lazarus, someone he loved, and it says that he he wept, he he mm-hmm. he, he cried, and there's lots lots of people talked about you know what he's weeping about, uh, but. It is, it is that he is experiencing the same kind of loss, I think, that we experience at the graveside of a loved one. And, and that's the cool thing about Christmas, right? If I can say it that way, is that this is a God who, who has stepped into our lives and who has experienced the suffering that we ourselves experience. And yet he's able to do something about it as well. That's, that's the other great part of this. Yeah, uh, this is kind of a side side note here. I was watching yeah. a video today. There was a uh there was a movie just came out a while back called Coda. Did you ever see it on Apple TV? No. Uh, it was about uh, a deaf family who okay. had uh, a daughter, a uh, husband and wife and they had a daughter, older daughter and she could sing. She could sing really well. She wasn't deaf. She was the one that wasn't deaf in the family. Right. Uh, well, the I was watching this video today, and the guy that plays the the father figure in there was telling his story uh, growing up being deaf and wanting to be in Hollywood. And his father was a man of faith. Like, he made this documentary about his father. Right. And his dad uh, learned sign language and encouraged him and all that stuff. And his father got in a really terrible car accident. And uh, he's he's like, I, I'm at the hospital and I, I can't remember exact sequences, but he finds out also the father is paralyzed from the neck down. He can't sign to him anymore. Oh, this wow. is a true story. Holy and uh, but this this guy who's the, the man now that was the, the father in the show, he's like he's a teenager and he's like, I was driving. I was angry with God. And he's like, he knelt down in front of his car. He was outside. He was angry. And he's like, I was yelling. And he's like, it started to rain. And he's like, it felt like God was crying with me huh. at that point. Wow. You know, it was this yeah. idea that and it, he didn't lose his faith in this, but he felt like this idea that God was mourning with him the right. things that had happened. And so it was a really powerful story. There's a video yeah. on YouTube. It's like yeah. 22 minutes long. I mean, it was well, a, kind of a link that in the show. Notes, yeah, so. it, it was a great thing, but it was the idea that his father and he, and he talked about his father, his father recovered. And he's like, he never questioned God. He's like, he was an example of faithfulness in wow. my life. But it yeah. was just, he was crying, you know, he's crying out to God in this time when his father's just been hurt and his probably, they thought he was, was going to pass away. And he's like, right. it's, he's like just these few drops of rain. And he's like, it felt like right. God was mourning with me as well. Well, if you think of, yeah, and you think about that, you know, when you see your kids going through, you know, and I, I don't know, kids go through stuff and, and kind of from our perspective, sometimes it's like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. <laughs> they'll, they'll get over it. But, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? You still see that heartache of, you know, I, I think about when kids, and kids can be so cruel to one another, right? Yeah. When, when you see them, you know, it's about, oh, this is my best friend, but now she's, she's not my best friend anymore. And she's taking another best friend. And, you, you know, and you see the kids crying about that and like, just, just sobbing and, and it breaks your heart. You know, mm-hmm. you, you feel compassion for them. And so that's why we get these words like, like Rahim, right? Rock, I should say the this idea of God's compassion, uh, his kindness for us, you know, that he has this, you know, Jesus looks on the crowds um, and sees that they're like sheep without a shepherd and he has compassion on them, right? That That's that idea in his, his gut feeling. <laughs> Is the way I like to say it, you know, this gut feeling of, of, you know, just, just 
empathizing with them and, and understanding their their position. So that's that's what I think. Uh, you know, that's why I, I like to think about this. Uh, verse ten. Then uh, let's let's read this because here's the term. We, we, we already said we knew this was coming uh, all the way back to the kind of that ironic statement mm-hmm. of, oh, they're going to be, I'm going to be their father and they're going to be faithful to me. These guys and, are going to keep so, it together. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So here we get verse 10. Yeah. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy and he himself fought against them. So this idea, and of course we see this in, in Israel's history. There are yeah. times where Israel turns their back on God, and so He brings uh, enemies often, you know, to to uh, uh, punish and to discipline. Uh, all of these, though, I think have the purpose. You know, it's not uh, this idea of enemy. I think is an interesting one. I'm going to come back to it in a minute. It's not out of some kind of you know trying to how do I say this? You know feel it's not an anger i need to satisfy my anger you know so i can feel better myself god mm-hmm. saying this right but it is the same as we do with children who go astray and rebel there are times that we um give them a taste of what the end of that rebellion is right mm-hmm. so that they so that they can make a good decision right yeah. as we like to say our kids make better decisions is this called scared straight <laughs> Well, the guy comes in and yells at him. This is what's going to happen to you. It didn't work, but (laughs) they uh, not to give away the ending. But oh, you know, over and over again, we see this repeated pattern of rebellion, and then the enemy coming in, and a period of time where they turn back to God, and then you know, so so we see that that kind of over and over again. Now, here's the here's the thing I could I want to say. I want to make clear: this could have been the end of the story. God's justice and and his wrath, if we like to say that, would have been completely satisfied in this. But God would not have been true to himself, right? Uh, Because of chesed, Mm -hmm. uh, because of his his covenant love, because of his faithful love. His faithful love, his loyalty is one of the words that's sometimes used to this. His, His faithfulness to himself, because of this, he has to act. So this isn't the end of the story. This end of the story of them, him becoming an enemy and punishing them essentially, or or uh, you know, letting, giving them over. Even we could say to their uh, to the results of their decisions of their rebellion. Uh, but because of his hesed, uh, God is you know the way I've written in the notes is he's obliged because he's sworn by himself, right? He's got this mm-hmm. obligation uh, to his promise. Uh, so. There's a longer section here, so read verses four, 11 through 14 now for me, if you would. Yeah, uh, this is this is the people kind of looking back to the days of Moses after their rebellion, right? They're looking back and they're remembering how things were during the Exodus. And again, this is why I think this this whole thing is kind of uh, echoing those the, that language. Yeah. Then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them, who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown, who led them through the depths? Like a horse in open country, they did not stumble. Like cattle, they got down to the plain. They were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. 
So he goes, he, he, you know, this, the people are thinking back and they're saying, remember, remember how God guided his people in that time. Remember, mm-hmm. he led them through the water. He led them into the valleys. And pr- this probably even is, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It says they didn't even stumble in the desert. Well, if I, if I remember correctly, there were some problems there, along the way. <laughs> a couple issues. Yeah, Moses whole, and Aaron got themselves <laughs> a little bit of trouble. <laughs> the whole 40 years thing. But but then I think this idea of that he leads them into the valleys is probably this idea that they're they're led back to the land. You know that was mm-hmm. that was what they were longing for, right? And so he fulfills his covenant promise in bringing them into the land, as he said, as he said to Abraham. Um, so so that's you know basically they're asking God to act that way for them again, express your love to us in the, in this way uh, again. Uh, and especially that word shepherd, you know, the way you shepherded your people, uh, the way you guided your people is the other word that we, we find in there is what they're longing for. So then verses 15 and 16 to kind of summarize, I want you to notice and we were talking about this. Notice the switch here to the first person plural uh, and think about that a little bit. But read verses 15 and 16 here. Yeah. Look down from heaven and see from your lofty throne, holy and glorious. Where are your zeal and your might? Your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us. But you are our father through Abraham, though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us. You, Lord, are our father, our redeemer from of old is your name. Okay, so it's this. You see the us here is the is the mm-hmm. first person plural I'm talking about. So this is I would call this. And if you keep looking down, and really this is kind of only the beginning of a paragraph, but it, this is really kind of a community confession and, and a calling again for God's compassion and love to come back the way that it had been before. Basically saying we know we've done wrong, uh, but but I, I love this thing. It comes kind of full circle in this. It says, "But we know you're our Father." Right, mm-hmm. that was a promise you made. You're my children. I'm your father. You're my children. Uh, you're going to be true to me. But even when they're untrue to him, he's still their father. Even if Abraham, even if Jacob, no longer claims us, you know, even mm-hmm. if they won't claim us, God will claim us as his father. Uh, and that I mentioned the prodigal son a couple of weeks ago, but this takes me back to that image that Jesus gives of the prodigal son, and especially the father running out. Right to to meet his prodigal to to meet mm-hmm. the son that's coming back is returning, uh, and so it's that idea. If you return, then 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 God again will show His love for you. He'll show His compassion. Uh, so so that's what I think is going on. And in fact, we've come full circle in the whole Advent series because we began with Isaiah sixty four and hope, and it's that same paragraph that it goes on and basically says, oh, if only God would come down. You remember You remember this? Mm. Go back and listen to that episode again. Oh, if only God would come down like he did in the days of old and and uh, set fire and and uh, there'd be a pot boiling. And, oh, yes, 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 yes. You yes. remember? The, yeah, yeah. The, if only the mountains would tremble again and if only these things. So we've kind of come full circle into that image of hope. Uh, so, so God's love here, I think, is expressed in the way that a father... And again, a parent understands this, uh, even in their rebellion, even sometimes when things are very difficult, the father does not take away uh, his love from the son, right, from the child. And, and I think that's what, that's the image that we have here. You're still, you're still our father uh, and you still express your love for us in this way. Mm-hmm. I want to end with uh, Romans 5. Uh, kind of a longer passage than I than I normally would, but I think it fits very well 
with what we see here. And I'm going to kind of read it and, and stop along the way and say a few things. Anything you want to say before we, we do this this part, before we do Romans 5? I don't think so. I really appreciate okay. going through the Isaiah. Isaiah, for me, personally, can be like a very long slog sometimes. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, it's you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot chapters, happening there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot happening in there. Yeah. And so this is, I think this isn't really good to, to, to go yeah. through these sections. So There's a lot of really interesting things, though. Yeah, of course, the the uh, early church fathers called it the fifth gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, it's quoted frequently. The book of Isaiah is quoted frequently in the New Testament. There's a lot of the images of the gospels that we see in Isaiah, the suffering servant. Mm-hmm. I've already mentioned of Isaiah 53. Uh, you know, when Handel, not to get into, to, you know, this period of time, but when Handel's Messiah, you know, he, he used so many phrases from, uh, from Isaiah, even some of the ones we've looked at this this uh, year, to talk about Jesus, and uh, you know, so there's so many here. But I want to read this from Romans five, and this is this is kind of there's there's some controversy about this passage, but it's it's I, I just don't let's not get too hung up on that. We'll mention it, but let's not get too hung up on this. Let's think instead about what we're talking about: God's love uh, for His people despite their rebellion. And so uh, here's what Paul says in in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. So, you know, think think about before in Isaiah where it talked about God's love being poured out, but then the people rebelled and he became, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, became, uh, he, uh, he became an enemy. Mm-hmm. And, and it says this, verse 6, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. And here's the love part. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So those enemies, he talked about being enemies. While we were still at enmity with God, while we we were still in broken relationship with God, Christ died for us. And that's a demonstration of, of God's love. Since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved through from God's wrath through him? Uh, that that That's the part when we've talked about atonement before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the only thing I'll say is this, is, is both the wrath and love— I think we sometimes misunderstand because we want to quantify them. Uh, in other words, we want to make them almost substances, right? Mm-hmm. And so God's wrath, for example, we say, well, it has to be completely satisfied, <laughs> right? Whereas I see both love and wrath as relational. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, anyone, we talk to, keep talking about parents, but anyone who's had more than one child know that, you know, it's not suddenly you have half as much love to give to your first child, right? It's, it's about relate. It's not like, well, I've only got so much love (laughs) and when I express it to this person then and so it's, it's the same with wrath, you know, God has wrath. It's, it's a way of expressing it's, I would say God, God's wrath is the natural result of our rebellion against him. Uh, We're deserving of that, uh, of that wrath 
but it is, it is relational. It's not in somehow that there's a certain amount of God's wrath that has to be expended on something. Uh, and that's, that's kind of a, that's the view I think of atonement that gets us into, into trouble. Um, and that people sometimes react strongly against anyway, go back and listen to our thing on the atonement. Um, so, uh, for, if, here's where I wanted to get to. So back in verse nine, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now receive reconciliation. So you see that idea of while we were enemies, then we were, we were made right with God. So, the whole thing for this Advent series has been love in a time of hatred. And, and I haven't talked too much about it today, but here's where it comes down to is if God sent Jesus to express his love, even while we were at enmity with him, then when Jesus says things like love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you, it's nothing more than asking us to take on the character of God, which, you know, to, to, to be transformed into his image, which is what this is all about anyway. It's about us being, by the Holy Spirit, being transformed to be like him. So when we have hatred toward another person or we have some kind of, someone is an enemy of us, uh, somebody is against us, um, it is important, I think, for us to remember <laughs> that God showed his love to his enemies of whom we were one, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Uh, not when we loved him, not when we were, uh, uh, how do I say this, reaching out to him, but it was in our rebellion that God demonstrated his love for us in Jesus, and that's what we think about in this Advent. So what that means for us, I think, is if we're going to have that Christ-like character, if we're going to be transformed to be like the people God created us to be, is it calls us to love even those who would hate us uh, rather than um, you know, responding to evil with evil. Uh, we are called instead to respond, um, you know, to those who would do evil to us. We're to respond with love. So I guess that's kind of my message: is um, you know, don't only love those who love you. Uh, to quote somebody who said this once, even the tax collectors do that kind of stuff, yeah. right? But it, we love we love those who even are enemies. Yeah, and, and and from a book I, I'm reading right now, and you're reading it as well. It's kind of yeah. this idea of subtraction of yourself. It's like you know, I'm an sure. enemy, but it, I'm releasing my. It, just as Christ, you know, stepped down from heaven right. and took on, subjugated himself to our flesh, that we have to, in the same way, release. You know, like it's releasing our desire for the enemy for their retribution or their right. suffering, and and place ourselves in a place of love and and ministry as Jesus did to us as right. well. Yeah. yeah. That's a tough part. I don't like this. Sorry. <laughs> but you know, 
I'm teasing, of course. I mean, I know, but it is hard. It's hard. It is hard. It's very hard. It's, it's against our, I would say it's against, I I was going to say, you're going to say against our nature. It's against the fallen nature. Certainly it is, it is, you know, uh, go back to Cain and Abel, you know, it, it is, it is, you know, jealousy, but, but you're right in this. I think it's important to point out that it often begins with a sense of what what is owed us or what we deserve, mm-hmm. right? That's that's how you make an enemy. Our own sense um, of justice in the situation. Yeah, our own sense of justice, our own sense of yeah, ret, you know, I want I want to get back at that person. I want ret- retribution. Uh, you know, and again, I could I could go back to our peace one and point out on a global scale, we've got that kind of stuff going on now. You know, trying to. Um, uh, you know, expand empires and and you know the desire for retribution, uh, and and I it's I understand it. I mean, we we feel that when when somebody cuts me off in traffic, my first response isn't to go, "Oh, Jesus, love you." You know, um, <laughs> the, there's a few of those words like you and Jesus that that I may use. Oh gosh, ways, okay. But, <laughs> Yes. Well, I think, you know, just this kind of pointed this back to the beginning when you said you'd read something about how families, you know, this is a time where families are fight more often than they ever do. Like this is a, um, to remind ourselves, you know, and we, it doesn't just have to be family you fight with, you know, it can be anybody out and about or fight with anybody. You can fight with yourself, you know, but (laughs) it's uh, true too. Um, <clears throat> but this idea of the, the love of the love that God has for us and that um, because we're we are recipients of that, like how do we um, yeah. in anticipation of his return share that love in, in his ministry yeah. as well in our daily yeah. lives. Not yeah. begrudgingly, but but freely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to See wrap up this. Year. See you next year. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> wrapping up season three thank you to all our listeners yeah thank you thank you for being a part of this thank you to all our supporters that have i was gonna say without you we couldn't be here but we we could be here we could be be here there's nobody listening sometimes (laughs) um but to our supporters who have have uh faithfully given to us and um again we're not getting rich off this uh you know we're we're adding some new features this next year we've just been talking about to make it the website a little bit better experience and um to add some more resources we know that some of you are listening and have questions and um you know finding finding good resources also can be tough you know we're, we're thinking about some but also there's already other authors and stuff out there but kind of making a collection of um things that might be good for you to read as a listener at home and yeah. all that just stuff so we want to thank all of you for uh being here with us and being a part of this and uh sharing a meal in the bistro yeah of a theological meal in the bistro nothing like gathering around a table that's right absolutely. hope you all have a blessed christmas and uh and a uh, happy new year and uh, we'll see you in the new year yeah thanks so much brian talk to you soon all right see you bye, bye.